Coach Zimmer said a year and a half ago that Gary was the best thing that has ever happened to him as a head coach, and that is high praise from Coach Zimmer. What the Buffalo Bills have done in this season has been I, probably the surprise of the NFL. I, I think I, I'm riding with the Bills Mafia in this one. Hey Vikings fans, welcome to episode 76 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast and officially the offseason is in full swing. We welcome in Vikings.com's Jay Nelson as well as Vikings.com's team reporter Eric Smith as we have a little recap offseason episode here. Uh, we took a week off last week after having a big-time guest a few weeks ago, Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. He gave us the lowdown on all things storylines with the Minnesota Vikings, the offensive coordinator situation that's going on with the team, the special teams coordinator situation that's going on with the team, and a lot of other things that are going on in the NFL. Uh, a very exciting weekend of games in the NFL playoffs, and Guys, I mean, I'm watching these games as a fan, not having Vikings games to work each weekend. Uh, what What are your overall impressions, Eric, of of what's been going on in these NFL playoff games? I mean, just amazing to see Tom Brady still doing it at this age in his career. Yeah, what is he? Forty three years old. It's, it's incredible. I mean, every year that he does it, and he does it, he's done it for twenty years now. It just gets more and more impressive. You know. I think Kirk Cousins is 32 and even he talked about, you know, he's getting to the point where he's kind of thinking about his future the next few years, but he can't imagine how, how Brady's able to do it in, in his early 40s. So that that's impressive. But I agree with you as a fan, it's been great to just sit back, watch football, not have any emotional investment in, in, in the games. I think for super wildcard weekend, I didn't get off my couch for two days, even last weekend for the, the next round. I barely got off the couch to watch games. And this Sunday for the championship weekend, guess what? I'll be back on the couch. So it's been fun to just sit there and watch games and and just kind of be a fan and kind of take the emotions and all that out of it. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, to see what went on in that Saints game, Drew Brees going off and and retiring with the Saints. Uh, You see some gophers in that game for the Buccaneers and Anton Winfield Jr. as well as uh, Tyler Johnson make a few big plays. So the Bucs with the big-time upset over the Saints. Uh, The Browns have a tough loss. Kevin Stefanski and and the crew of Vikings coaches over there, uh, 22-17 to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are led by Chad Henney. I mean, for him to come in after a Patrick Mahomes injury and and lead that team with a couple big completions at the end there, Jay, I mean, I, for, for this team to get Patrick Mahomes back this week, I mean, it's it's really amazing what Chad Henney was able to do in that game. Yeah, the Mahomes question is going to be the A number one topic for that game going into this week. We all know how big of a difference maker he is, but having a savvy veteran like Chad Henney, who's been on multiple teams, but at the same point has seen it all across the board, uh, it, it was very uh, savvy of them to to pick up someone like Chad and for him to basically come off the bench basically cold. And he's only had a couple times this season where he's actually come in, usually in garbage time, um, for him to come in and do what he did and hit like that big fourth and one to, to seal the game. All that stuff across the board was was very impressive. So the, the Chiefs are definitely a team to keep your eye on here and uh, just to see what's going to happen with uh, Mahomes' watch at this point. 
The Buffalo Bills were led by Stefan Diggs, another former Viking that we had to watch play this weekend, 17-3 to in that game. I mean, just impressive to see what the Bills have done in this tear. I think they've won like six games straight. And then obviously we have to talk about the fact that the Green Bay Packers, who are 7-1 and in home playoff games um, all time on Saturdays, that's what they did um, in this game against the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, Eric, I think it's going to be tough for Aaron Rodgers to be stopped going forward. We're going to get into the previews going forward, but um, he definitely looks like he's locked in right now. Yeah, locked in. I think that's maybe understating it. He's on fire. He's a machine. Probably going to be the NFL MVP for the 2020 season. It's tough. I mean, I've thought about this the last week or so, how impressive the Vikings win was at Lambeau Field just because of how well Green Bay is playing overall and especially at home. I mean, that's a tall task to go in there to Lambeau Field and win in the playoffs. But if anyone can do it, it's probably Tom Brady because he just wins, especially in the postseason. And I think he's really energized Tampa Bay this year. And you can tell they have a lot of swagger, especially on defense. And him, him bringing that winning culture to the team, that's probably the game I'm looking forward to the most on Sunday is Tampa Bay and Green Bay, just because I think it's it pretty evenly matched. Tampa Bay did win earlier in the season. I think it was a blowout, like 38 to 10 or something like that. But that was so far ago. Like I think you can kind of throw that out. Both teams are playing at a, at a much higher level right now. And Aaron Rodgers is just on fire. So it, it's tough when Green Bay makes it this far. You know, being with the Vikings, you, you don't want to see that. And I'll probably be rooting for Tampa Bay on Sunday. But you have to respect the Packers and, and how far they've come. That's for sure. It's been quite the season for, for their offense. And, and it, it's just it still kills me the fact that we beat them in Lambeau this year to show the, the potential that this Vikings team had on the, the roller coaster season that was. But... Uh, we covered that in the last episode. This episode, we're moving forward. We're on to the offseason. We're not going to uh, drain in the sorrows of, of what happened for the Vikings this year. So let's move on, man. There's a bunch of storylines that we're going to cover um, for the Vikings in this offseason, in this episode. The biggest one that we're going to get to right off the top here, Vikings assistant general manager and vice president of player personnel, George Payton. Um, just a, a, a big part of this organization, a big part of scouting, a big part of everything that goes on when it comes to the, the NFL draft and the success that the Vikings have had in the draft. Years and years of success. Um, you can go go through the names. It's pretty unbelievable. Some of the players that George Payton was able to vouch for and, and get in the building. Um, he has been hired by the Denver Broncos as their general manager. Um, we heard Rick Spielman talk last week. Uh, he was definitely a little bit emotional. Uh, this is like his right-hand man, um, other than Rob Brzezinski, who, who kind of handles the the salary cap for the Vikings. So, um, it, it It's crazy because for me, I mean, I've always had a great relationship with George. It, just seeing him around the building and, and seeing him um, in the gym at the TCO Performance Center, just a really good guy and, and a good guy to get to know over the years. But um, I'll go to you first, Eric. What are your impressions of George leaving the Vikings? Obviously, there's a hole that, that will be uh, definitely need to be filled um, by maybe some younger scouts in the organization. But um, you've had a chance to talk to some of the scouts and, and people on the personnel side in the past couple of weeks. So uh, what kind of void does George Payton leave in the Vikings front office? A, a huge one. And that's probably understating it because while maybe he wasn't publicly known, he was he was behind the scenes a lot in, in the work that he did. But 
His loss is a big one, and I covered this in last week's Monday Morning Mailbag. I got a fan question about this, and that was the question. You know, the person was like, I didn't really see what he did, you know, in front of the scenes. He was kind of a hidden name, but what impact did he have? And it's it's massive. I mean, you mentioned the drafts, you know, over a dozen Pro Bowl players, and, and you think about big names for the Vikings in the last 10, 15 years. You know, George was here for 14 seasons before he, he is now in Denver. You know, Kyle Rudolph, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, even Justin Jefferson, all those players George had a hand in and getting to Minnesota. And while Rick does make the final decision, like you said, George was his right-hand man since 2007, and George had a big input in that too. So you have to give him credit, even if he wasn't in front of the camera, you know, or on camera all the time or doing press conferences. George's impact was immense. And you mentioned Rick being emotional when he met with the media. I think all of us are a little emotional with George leaving. I know I am. You mentioned what a good guy he is. And, you know, him and I are both from Southern California, so we kind of bonded over that. And um, when when Kobe Bryant passed away almost a year ago, you know, we talked about that just growing up, you know, around the Lakers and, and Kobe's impact and all that. We had some good conversations about that. And you know, a lot of times we were wondering what are what are two Southern California guys doing here in, in Minnesota. So we had some laughs on that too. But I haven't heard one, anyone say one bad thing about George since he left, and I think that's why it's a little bittersweet, or probably a lot bittersweet, because while we're certainly sad that George is gone and we'll miss him, you really can't be anything but happy for him either, because of the person he is because of the impact he made here in Minnesota and because of the opportunity he now has in Denver. That's a, they have some talented pieces on that team. And if he can answer some key questions and kind of get the team going the way he wants it, you know, I think they can, they can compete in the AFC West and just happy for George. Um, you know, he worked for this for a long time. He, he was passed over for other GM jobs that I know he kind of wanted and, you know, he's been a finalist and a hot name for years, and he just kind of waited for the right chance and, and certainly happy for him. 14 years in the Vikings organization, and you, you mentioned some of those positions that he was passed on. I think one of them was the San Francisco 49ers a few years back. Uh, that, that was one that he really wanted, and, and I think he was a final candidate for. Um, he was also a final candidate for uh, the Cleveland Browns job last year. I think he's passed on five or six jobs in his time with the Vikings. So he's been a guy who's been sought after for a long time. And for him to pick the Denver Broncos actually says a lot about their organization as well. I mean, maybe he just couldn't say no to John Elway. That that might have had something to do with it because I know that would impact me. But um, one story I want to share with the Vikings fans here is I, I had a chance to cover um, the owners' meetings a few years back and um, just, just having a few drinks with him at, at the bar and being able to just talk and and learn about kind of what what he really how he sees a football player and and how he's able to grade them um and and one thing that stuck out to me was I asked him I was like does it really change like do you have to travel all these places to see these players or like can you just watch them on film nowadays because nowadays you can get the USC film, you can get the Alabama film, you can get Clemson film, you get it from everywhere. You don't have to travel all over the place and he said no. He's like, I need to be in that building. I need to feel the atmosphere. I need to to hear the cleats on the field. That that's just the kind of guy he is. He's like an old school general manager. So um, obviously, whatever he was doing was working. Because Eric, you just named all the names that he has helped 
uh, assist to get here in Minnesota through the draft, and, and he's done quite the job with the Vikings. But, um, Jay, I know you've been with the Vikings for a very long time, uh, almost 15 years as we were talking about before the show. Uh, what, what were your memories of George in the, in the organization? Some of my favorite things about George was actually being able to sit with him at lunch uh, periodically, just, you know, loosey-goosey, one of the guys just talking. And I, and I know at one point we had a couple of us were sitting there and we asked him, you know, what what would it take for you to, to be willing to go at this point? I mean, you've been here for 14 seasons, basically, and just trying to talk to him about kind of his mindset of what it would mean. And, you know, he had always kind of said to us, well, you know, California being a California kid, it'd be nice to be able to get back home at some point. But if that doesn't work out, it would have to be the perfect situation for me and my family. And I think, you know, between his wife and his two kids, he's got a son and a daughter. um, He really looked at the situation of saying, you know, this has to be right on all fronts. And I think the fact that he got a longer contract as a GM with Denver, he's going to a great area, great city. Um, with a, a solid team and, and to be able to work along someone like Elway, who had just stepped away this season from the GM duties to take more of a, a, a focal point as a, a, a member of the, the front office that works with the family and kind of oversees the operations. I think having somebody like John, who understands the culture there, who understands the team, the history, et cetera, uh, a, a guy like George was looking at it saying, you know, if I get this opportunity, I can't pass this up. And I think Everything that we've heard across the board points to the fact that this was the right place, at the right time for him. And if he's been doing this now for 20 years with Rick Spielman, him being willing to, to uproot the family and to take this chance, it says a lot about what he saw from behind the scenes. So I, I can't be happier for him. I think he's going to do awesome at this gig. And I think he's going to an awesome organization that that, that place, kind of similar to here, the Broncos run that town, and I think it's similar to here. It's a similar feeling, and I think uh, George is set up for success as long as they can fix the same issues they've had for a while, which is quarterback and everything else going on. I think George will be a good guy to be able to find those kind of players to write them and, and have to compete against a Patrick Mahomes for the next decade at least um, in their career. So couldn't be happier for him, and, and, and it's great to see a guy like George get a, a shot like this. Definitely a void that's left uh, in the player personnel department. But Rick Spielman said in his press conference last week there will be uh, no other hirings for the short term and the time being. Uh, he's going to hopefully promote or or ask more of some of the younger scouts in the organization. And we know um, the talent that's in that room. So we're definitely excited to see what happens there. Well, we go from one void that needs to be filled in the Vikings front office to a void that definitely now needs to be filled Um, on the Vikings coaching staff. As we are recording this podcast, we found out that Vikings offensive coordinator and assistant head coach Gary Kubiak has officially announced his retirement. Um, uh, Just an amazing career. I think this is the actual second time that he has retired as a coach from the NFL. Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable that he has seven Super Bowls as a player and a coach. Obviously, a big part of that Denver Broncos team behind John Elway as a player and then becoming, most recently, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, leading them to the victory in Super Bowl 50. Uh, 36 seasons in the NFL as a, as a player and a coach. 
it's it's just unbelievable just hearing him speak and and being able to interact with him in the building for the Vikings these past few years has just been I I think a positive experience for everyone from players to staff to younger coaches um definitely another big name that we're covering here that's leaving the organization so Eric you've been covering the team uh, week in and week out, and and definitely tracking the updates on this position. So, what can you tell us about Gary uh, stepping down in this role and and ending his big time career in the NFL? Yeah, de- definitely a big time career, and all the kudos and praise to him for for his his longevity and his career. I think this season was his twenty fifth overall as a coach in the NFL, and that's incredible. And he. He's the man, you know, like like you said, you know, everyone has benefited from being around him. He was only here for two seasons, and obviously one of those was this past COVID season, so there wasn't any in-person interaction, but he will go down as one of my favorite coaches to have talked to and dealt with over the years, even if it was only a two-year window. Um, about a year ago, I had a, a story idea. I wanted to go to his ranch outside of, of Houston and sit down with him and and talk and talk with him and pick his brain about you know football and life and you know he's just so well respected and that didn't happen because it was in the works and then COVID popped up obviously so that did not happen which is a bummer but it's going to be a big loss for the Vikings like not only in terms of you know play calling and him being the offensive coordinator but just the influence that he had on on the team and that's even on Coach Zimmer you know Coach Zimmer said a year and a half ago that Gary was the best thing that has ever happened to him as a head coach. And that is high praise from coach Zimmer. So it's tough. It's tough. You know, we'll have to see what the Vikings do in terms of replacing Gary, certainly big shoes to fill. Um, you know, there's always internal candidates, you know, his son, Clint Kubiak knows the system well. So too does Vikings offensive line coach, Rick Dennison, but there are also outside external candidates that know the the scheme as well. And one thing we know for sure is that the Vikings are going to keep their scheme. They're going to keep the wide zone. They're going to keep the play action passes because that's obviously what Kirk Cousins does well and what the Vikings have tailored their offense to do. So a big loss that that Gary's moving on, but but all the, the kudos and respect to him for a heck of an NFL career. I just want to read uh, this little bite from his his statement here. In 36 seasons as an NFL player and coach, I've been lucky to feel like I've never worked a day in my life. Um, I've been on a football field for most of my life now. I look forward to stepping off the sideline for good and enjoying more time with family and friends. Anyone who knows Gary in the building knows that he is a family man, and, and obviously his son is a coach with the Vikings, the Vikings quarterback coach. You'd have to think that he might be one of the top candidates for the offensive coordinator position. I know he's very well respected by Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, and and he's definitely usually the first one that Kirk goes to on the sideline, whether it's a big play or a mistake, um, to kind of discuss what happened there um, during the game. So well, we will definitely track that. But Jay, I'm going to go to you. Is just just what are your final thoughts on on Gary stepping down as the Vikings offensive coordinator? Yeah, obviously it's a loss. I think uh, not only having someone like him to to bounce ideas off of for for Coach Zimmer, um, like we had said from before, but in universally in general, I think the the respect factor for someone like him and having him on your team helps make you feel like you've you've got it. Somebody who, like he said, thirty six seasons working in football, 
That's incredible. Um, I have friends who live out in Denver and, and they were immediately texting me when, when he first announced that he was going to actually become part of the staff saying that people back in Denver were freaking out saying, you know, we'd loved him. We didn't want him to leave after the Super Bowl. He, he retired for personal reasons. And then when he just did decide to come back, they were apoplectic as to why, you know, why didn't he come back to, to be with the Broncos? So I, I think universally the guy across the board, he talked to anybody, they recognize his pedigree. They recognize his success. And it just sounds like to a man, everybody loved working with the guy. And I remember the day that he came walking in the door here. He and Clint came to visit Stefanski when Stefanski took over as the the OC. And uh, eventually it was a package deal with the two of them coming in. But it was one of those things, walk, watching him walk through the door, you went, holy cow, it's Gary Kubiak here with Clint. And, and we were just kind of raising an eyebrow to see what it meant. And and what it meant for us was was creating a dynamic offense here That's that's been one of the tops here in the last two seasons, especially with, with his thumbprint on it. And I just think moving forward, you're still going to see that some form of that happening. And I think across the board, you you can't fault the guy for retiring at this point. And, and um, you know, you just wish him the best and hopefully he can enjoy the rest of the time after he's put in so many years of service here in the NFL. Yeah, Joe, we touched on some of the things that he's done in his career. And I think for um, being a part of four world championship staffs, um, as a coach and three as a player, that's about as impressive of a career as you can have in this league. I think that's a Hall of Fame career, to say the least, um, for Gary Kubiak. So he will definitely be missed in the Vikings organization. I know how highly the players think of him. He kind of uh, has taken on that father figure approach with a lot of young players, I think all of, all across the league. Um, through his 36 seasons, so it'll definitely be another big void. I think this is the filling voids episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, but um, let's get on to some some other storylines around the league, including what is going on with the NFL Combine. Eric, I think you cover the NFL Combine every year in, in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium, but our Tom Pelissero, who we had on the show about a week and a half ago, um, he had some pretty big news about the Combine this year, and, and obviously with the new world that we live in and, and COVID-19 and everything that's been going on, um, the NFL put out a memo um, this week kind of going through the updates of, of the protocols with the pandemic and, and what the combine is going to look like. So Jay, why don't you give us an update on that? Sure. Yeah. So Tom had this uh, report that NFL memo went out and, and, and essentially the traditional scouting combine that we are all recognized at this point with the multi-day uh, coverage and everything else going on. That's kind of out the window this year with everything going on with COVID. Uh, the league and the individual teams are still trying to work out all the details of what this officially means, but the traditional gathering of all the players in one place at one time, all the teams, coaches, front office, all of that kind of stuff is is going to be put on hold for this season. Um, it sounds like everything is going to be kind of fed out to events that are already kind of happening. There's always the official combine that happens. And then typically you have teams that have pro days. Those pro days are usually the individual players from those bigger schools or kind of regional combines. Some of those different events will still be taking place, but the the bigger challenge for that then turns into trying to make everything as uniform as possible. So there were some, some people were asking for clarification as to what this means moving forward for everything. And they kind of said, we're still figuring it out, but the, the actual scheduling, the, you know, hotel rooms, travel, all that kind of stuff that's all put on hold for this season. So it's basically looking at this point because of COVID, they're going to have the regional workouts for the player pro days at those different schools and colleges 
colleges and universities. Um, and then there's going to be the individual uh, interviews and psychological interviews. Those will all be done virtually like everybody's been doing via you know Zoom and Teams and everything else so far. And then finally, the medical exams. The majority of those players are going to be examined uh, on a local level close to where they are currently living. And then from that point forward, they will have follow-ups in a limited fashion for some of these players. Typically, if they, they find something that, that might be a little suspect for different teams. So it sounds like there's going to be a whole set of rules and regulations for all of that moving forward. But the traditional scouting combine, as we've all seen it, it's kind of out the window. What I'm going to be curious now to see is if there will be TV coverage and you know web coverage, et cetera, from all of these individual schools and how they handle that going forward. But we're kind of entering a little bit of no man's land. Um, and and I'm curious because you know the question's been thrown out there. Is this something that we could see being permanent moving forward? And personally, I think not just because, I mean, let's all think about it. Ratings and everything are always baffle for this event. Front office, coaches, everybody likes to be able to get together and, and kind of talk off the record. I think there's a lot of reasons to think that it would come back in its previous form. But for this year, this is what we're going to be dealing with. I was about to say, one of the biggest things I think that will be missed from this is not just the workouts on the field, but um, a place, an event for everyone in the NFL to gather and meet and, and chat about trades and, and signings and coaching hires and front office hires and all the things that go on in the NFL offseason. This is definitely a place where things happen um, and, and things are definitely going to be different this year. Obviously, uh, the front office members would probably say differently, as I know they like to be in person watching these workouts and, and being able to to grade some of these players but um the promotion of the players also as well like you, you don't get to see somebody run the 40 yard dash uh, right next to somebody else right afterwards on nfl network and um eric i touched on it earlier but but you've been covering this event for for years now uh, what do you think is going to be missed the most um in this new uh covid world of the nfl combine yeah i think it's a two-part answer you know the, the football side of it where for a lot of teams, this is kind of the start of the 2021 season. You know, the off season kind of crawling along now, January, February. But when you get to the end of February and everyone goes to Indianapolis, it's kind of like a, a page has been turned. There's a fresh start and everyone's looking ahead to 2021 and, and you know, with the, with the draft and all that. And it, it's a bummer. It's a bummer because I know, like you, you said earlier, that Jordan Payton likes to watch guys in person. A lot of NFL personnel men and women like to do that too they like to see them run and and lift weights and interview questions and, and interview people in person and so I think teams are going to miss out on that personally and I'm this is not just my own opinion I've it's shared by a lot of people you miss the camaraderie and you miss having a, a fun week-long event in Indianapolis where every it, it essentially the center of the NFL wor world for for five or six days there every team is there there's team reporters for essentially every team so people you don't get to see during the season friends from other teams you get to catch up with them you know everyone likes to you know work hard during the day have a drink at night have fun you know it's it, it's a fun week it's a long week there's a lot of work that goes into it but you, you can relax and have fun too and it's just it's probably one of my favorite events of the nfl calendar and it's a bummer that it's not going to be the same this year Hopefully it'll be back in, in 2022, and if it is, then uh, we'll keep providing good coverage for Vikings Entertainment Network. And you've always done a good job covering that that event, and uh, it's it's definitely been one to, to enjoy to, to watch on the NFL Network. But we move forward 
to another weekend where Eric gets to sit on the couch and watch these NFL games. I mean, every weekend of the playoffs so far has been just more entertaining than the next. I mean, last weekend was was about as as good of a weekend of football as I've ever watched, and and I'm just so excited to to watch these two games because I, I feel like. It really is the four best teams in the NFL this year. Uh, the Tampa, you can make an argument about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they they definitely are hot at the right time, to say the least. But we're gonna start off with the AFC game, and you have the number one seed Kansas City Chiefs hosting the improbable Buffalo Bills, who at the beginning of the season probably no one would have imagined that they would be playing in the AFC Championship game. So, Eric, just give me your, your thoughts on this game, who you're picking, and and what you think is going to go on in, the, in this in this matchup. Yeah, it's, like Jay said earlier, you know, the A topic is whether or not Patrick Mahomes plays. You know, I know on Wednesday he was a full participant, so that's a good good sign for him going forward. It's so tough to pick against Mahomes at home, and especially because the Chiefs are one of the teams that have had fans for all season. You know, not 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 at full capacity, but they've had, I think, over fifteen or you know twenty thousand fans for all season long, and that's that's a big boost. You know, we saw this year with no fans how much of an impact it made on the Vikings at home at, at U.S. Bank Stadium. So I'm gonna roll with the Chiefs at home over Buffalo. I think it'll be a close game. But I think just with Mahomes at home and the playmakers that Kansas City has on offense, I'll go with them. I think a storyline or an area I'm going to be watching is, A, how, how does Mahomes look? But B, their defense likes to play a, a lot of zone. So if Mahomes can have time, can he pick that zone apart? And if he doesn't have time, can Buffalo's cornerbacks and linebackers and safeties kind of be anticipating that and kind of snatching an interception that way. So that's what I'm looking for. And um, I think it'll be a good game, but I'm going to roll with with the Chiefs at home. Yeah, I I think I got to go with the upset here. I'm What the Buffalo Bills have done in this season has been – I probably the surprise of the NFL. I think Josh Allen is, has had probably one of the best seasons at the quarterback position and, and the things that he's been able to do and the development at the quarterback position with the the way he's able to move out of the pocket, make plays, uh, get Stephon Diggs involved in this offense. I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most um, because this Kansas City Chiefs defense is actually very – they're having – definitely one of the better years that they've had as of late. We've always looked at the Chiefs and said they're an offensive team and the defense just kind of gets by, but um, they have some big-time playmakers, especially in that secondary. So I'm really excited to see if the Buffalo Bills, I mean, they've been just crushing teams uh, when it comes to just the differential and points. I mean, they beat the Baltimore Ravens by 14 last week. Uh, they were able to beat the Colts. Um, they, they're just putting up points each week, and they haven't lost in like six or seven weeks. So it's just, I don't know if this train's going to stop, Jay. I, I think I, I'm riding with the Bills Mafia in this one. I totally get it. I totally understand it. Their offense, they've been a, a pass-happy offense for sure. Um, with Zach Moss out now, Singletary's going to have to take over as the running back for that Bills offense. But I got to say, for me, this this matchup reminds me almost like us versus Philly in 2017. Uh, the thing that Philly had that year that we couldn't contain was a lot of dynamic playmakers that could just make plays in open space. That's how I look at this Kansas City Chiefs team at this point. The Bills are absolutely hot, but I do not know how you are able to try and contain 
all of those weapons on offense because if you do are if you are able to lock down on one of those two guys, whether it's a Kelsey or a Hill or whatever they're putting out there now at running back, I, I just look at this Kansas City team, especially if they get Mahomes back, they're way too dangerous. And and I just if if Mahomes comes walking back in, if Superman comes back in the building, the the emotional lift that's going to be going on. And like Eric said, he was a full participant on Wednesday. So if, if everything is is go, I got to lean the Chiefs. If not, that Bills team is going to be seeing a wounded animal, and they're going to be walking into to Arrowhead Stadium and and trying to put one on them. And in order to get to their first Super Bowl in years and years and years at this point, and I. I I have a kindred spirit with the Bills. I loved watching them as a kid. I watched all four of those Super Bowl losses, but I got to go with the Chiefs at this point. It has been amazing to see the Buffalo Bills fans and and the way that they follow this team and the, obviously the things that they do tailgating uh, in the parking lot. We can, we can talk about that as well, but um, just the support that that they've had and and obviously an, uh, an organization that hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. It, it would be a cool story to see them in the Super Bowl this year, but um, a cool historical note from Jay that he included here. In 2017, the Bills actually traded the number 10 overall draft pick to Kansas City where they picked Patrick Mahomes with that pick. That's that's a pretty good bite that you have there, Jay. Thanks. Yeah, it was one of those things when I was looking through it, I saw the history and they were able to switch or flip that one pick into three different picks, including two first round picks. And so they've been able to stack up as well as add Josh Allen in 2018. So between those four picks, they've all been key contributors. But for the Bills fans watching Patrick Mahomes become the MVP uh, in the year that they struggled, 6-10 and 10, was was really hard for them to stomach. And now here they are in the AFC Championship facing it off against him. And I think right now both franchises are set for the future. So I think both sides would be pretty happy about the way that turned out for him. So Jay went with the Chiefs. Eric went with the Chiefs. I went with the Bills. So let's see what the picks are for the NFC matchup. It's the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed, hosting the number five seed, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, two of the hottest teams in the NFL, two of the most illustrious quarterbacks in NFL history, facing off one more time. Eric, I'm I'm going straight to you here. What's your pick? It pained me to do it, but I'm going to go with Green Bay, and simply because nobody has been able to slow down the combination of Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams all season long, and really for most of Adams' career. And I think that they've just been so in tune together, and, and they're such a dynamic combo that I think that's what prevails and, and pushes the Packers over the top. You know, Aaron Jones is going to provide a big lift in the running game, but Tampa Bay, as we saw last week, has one of the best running defenses in, in, in the league, and I think that'll make things tough on Aaron Jones. So if the Packers got to pass it a lot, it'll be a lot of Rodgers to Adams. And that's probably about as lethal of a combination as there is in the NFL right now. So it's tough. It's tough. Like I said, I'll be rooting for Tampa Bay. But with who I think will win, I think will be Green Bay, especially at home, January, Lambeau Field. It, you know, the, the storyline kind of writes itself. I think I have to agree with you, Eric. I mean, what has gone on with the, the Packers offense this year has just been – it's it's been amazing. I mean, the, the the running attack that they have combined with Devontae Adams and what he's been able to do, it, it really amazes me that no one has really been able to stop Devontae Adams this year because they haven't really had that second um, quality wide receiver in this offense. But Devontae Adams just keeps doing it week after week. He's, I mean, he has a touchdown. And, and the performance of Aaron Rodgers to, to come off that bye week and, and defeat the Rams 32-18, to he had – 
296 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. I mean, I just think he's locked in right now. And I watched his interview on the Pat McAfee show this week, and, and he's really – he he's become a weekly guest on that show, and he and he's definitely been a little bit looser and, and given the the fans some insight into what has caused the the success this year. And he said he's just having fun playing the game, which I hate to say on this podcast, but it's definitely uh, been evident in the way that he's been tossing the ball around the field and and even moving in the pocket. Uh, I think they angered him when they drafted Jordan Love in the off season, and it's shown on the field, but. Uh, as well, I will go with the Packers. It pains me to say it, as Eric said, but um, yeah, I will be rooting for Tampa Bay in this game, that's for sure. Jay, are you going to agree or disagree with the two of us on this one? A couple of weeks ago when they asked me my opinion who was going to make it to the Super Bowl, I said I was going with Chalk, and I had the Chiefs and the Packers in the Super Bowl down in Tampa. Um, I haven't seen anything that's going to change my mind at this point. The only nugget that I thought was kind of interesting was when you went back and broke down the Week 6 matchup at Raymond James back in October. That was Aaron Rodgers' worst game. Devontae Adams, one of his worst games all season. Um, they were able to really put it on to, on to Rodgers. And the thing that killed the Packers that week actually was Ronald Jones. He went nuts for 23 carries, 133 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. That on top of two interceptions by Rodgers, 160 yards passing, no touchdowns. They were able to completely shut them down, but the, the reason why that happened was because they jumped on them early. I think if you see Aaron Rodgers be able to hit a touchdown or two in that first half and, and start to kind of feel himself at home especially, I think that's when it's going to be a dangerous, dangerous matchup for, for the Bucs. But I think if the Bucks defense is able to slow down that running game and to squeeze Rodgers like they did in that first week six matchup, that's going to be the recipe to success. What do I want to see happen? The storyline I want to see is I want to see Tampa have the first team to be able to host a Super Bowl at home. And I think it would be hilarious to see the Bills have to face their old nemesis who killed them for decades in that division in the Super Bowl and have to try to climb that mountain. What do I think is going to happen? You're going to get a Mahomes Rogers Super Bowl. And uh, I think it's going to be dynamic across the board if uh, both of these offenses can continue to, to keep running. So that's my feeling. Packers Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And uh, well, the, the Bucks are going to have to kind of feel what we did back in 2017 of hosting a team at home in their Super Bowl when you were that close. We were that close three years ago. I think about today or yesterday that it was exactly three years from that NFC Championship game, a game that none of us will ever forget, especially if you were in that building, which I think all three of us were. Uh, that was not a fun game <laughs> to look at. But, yeah, it, I think, honestly, the best Super Bowl matchup would be the one that you just talked about, Jay, in the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think those two offenses going back and forth, like I, when it comes to a viewing experience, that's, that's what you want to see. Obviously, the storylines with the Bills, and and what's been going on in Buffalo and obviously Tom Brady in the latter years of his career being able to potentially host the game at home um, the first team to do so would be quite the storyline but um, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the, of the Minnesota Vikings podcast we we covered some offseason storylines after taking a week off um, Eric brought some insight from from uh, just covering the team at, at, over the last couple weeks and, and what's been going on here. So it's uh, definitely definitely a quiet time in the Vikings world uh, when you have to watch your rival play in the NFC Championship game. So um, I guess I'll throw it to you, Eric. you have any final thoughts? 
No, quiet time is a good way to put it. You know, there's some coaching hires that need to happen, but, you know, free agency is still about six weeks away. So we'll kind of get ramped up into that. You know, we're doing some uh, position recaps right now on Vikings.com, kind of taking a look back at the 2020 season. Um, I've got a cool off-season project coming on Justin Jefferson that's in the works. So excited to share that uh, in, a, in a few weeks. Uh, but other than that, just taking some time to decompress and and uh, trying to turn the page to 2021. Jay, final thoughts. Uh, a couple of storylines to pay attention to here in the next couple of weeks, especially uh, the next weekend, is going to be the potential Rookie of the Year vote coming out with Justin Jefferson. Hopefully he gets a nod there. And then also uh, pay attention to the potential of Jared Allen getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of people are kind of of, of looking at it saying he's a, a uh, it's his first chance or his first ballot to possibly get in. Some people are thinking it might be a little bit of a waiting game for him, at least to year two. But pay attention that uh, in uh, back-to-back Friday, Saturday next week, you could potentially have a Hall of Famer and a Rookie of the Year being in for this Viking squad and that'd be something to uh you know put a little feather in your cap and and feel proud about as a Vikings fan and and just know that future is going to be brighter here in 2021 my final thoughts as a whole in the NFL it's been amazing that the quarterbacks that we have all grown up watching are starting to dwindle off one by one as Drew Brees announces his retirement after the loss to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then just today, uh, Phillip Rivers announces his retirement uh, from, from the Colts after that tough playoff loss to the Bills. I mean, these are the guys that have been around for so long, and it might not be over. As we talked about kind of earlier before the show, Jay, you could see Tom Brady maybe going off with the Super Bowl win or possibly Ben Roethlisberger. There, there hasn't been any update there from Pittsburgh um, since their tough loss to the Cleveland Browns. So it's it's crazy that the tides are turning, especially with a few big-time quarterbacks coming coming up in this NFL draft. So uh, it, it's been fun to track and, and definitely a quiet time for the Vikings, and, and we'll see what happens here with some of these hires as we head into the draft and free agency. But until then, continue to check out all of the Viking social media platforms for breaking news, whether it's free agency, the draft. We've got a bunch of fun things coming up, some Vikings at home shows um, like we did last offseason and, and definitely some new podcasts that will be in the works as we kind of get into the Vikings offseason storylines going forward. As Gabe Henderson likes to say, we'll keep you up to date with everything you need to know on Vikings.com right here. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast.